Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Dimmel. I'm a blogger, author of two books. I ran a nonprofit and was also a pastor. You could say I've lived some life. I'm here now inviting you to go behind the mirror as we drop the masks and dig deep into real conversation. Welcome. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode four. And for those of you that have been following the podcast so far, I have loved hearing from you. A lot of you guys have reached out to me through um, messages and emails and all the different ways we can now connect nowadays. Um, Gosh, it's been really fun hearing your stories and what I've gone through has resonated with you and um, the dialogues you're having in your life and the changes you're making and the way you're looking at your faith and all these conversations are so good. So thank you to those of you who are reaching out and those of you who haven't reached out, I'd love to hear from you. I'm pretty accessible um, through my website, uh, through email or through Facebook messaging. I usually can respond fairly quickly. So, um, yeah, if something in these episodes strikes a chord with you, reach out. I'd love to hear what you're processing and what you're thinking and what you have gone through too. Um, also, big thank you to those of you who have rated this podcast on iTunes. It is what makes the podcast move. So for those of you that have done that, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And those of you that haven't, do me a favor, go rate this on iTunes. Give me a good rating. Um, It does really help things go forward. So having that said, today's episode is, is a good one. It really is. I was driving in the car with a friend of mine, one of my favorite humans on the planet, and she and I got talking about a verse that when I say the verse, a lot of you will immediately think of of what you believe it means. And it's that verse that says, be in the world, but not of the world. And those of us who've been churched at any point in our life have, like I said, an instant thing that pops in our mind, even just a feeling or a picture of what we think that means. Um, But over the last few years, I've really reevaluated what that means and what it could mean and what it should mean and what it really does mean to me now and right now in our world there is so much that we could be talking about just on a political front on a um, geographical front on a polarized opposite sides of certain topics front you name it we could dive into it and i think that this verse is applicable to all of it and maybe not in the way that you might think so um, we were driving in the car and this topic came up and she and I just dove right into it and um, as we started going I I asked her I said hey can I turn on my phone and record this because this is so good and um, I want other people in on this conversation so without further ado here it is Okay, so Marley and I are driving in the car and we're having this conversation about this verse that all of us know very well, the whole being in the world and not of the world. 
and we were discussing how that's really something the church is um, not necessarily putting into practice the way that I think God intended. So when I think of be in the world and not of the world, there's so much attached to that. When I was growing up, I thought... Well, that means that I can't listen to secular music, right? Or I can't, like, wear all the trending clothes. Or I can't drink. Or I can't do drugs. Or whatever you think of when you think of, like, culture growing up, right? Like, that's what you think of. Um, And so you try very hard to be this separate thing that does things very separate from the way the world does. But yet, in the world, we see culture as a constant line being drawn between who is in and who is out and who is trendy and who isn't and who is included and who isn't and who is good enough to be accepted and who is not good enough to be accepted. That's the trend of the world and always has been. Social dynamics have always been, there I am using that word always again. I'm trying to cut back on that darn word. Social trends have continued to show historically that they run themselves that way. Social groups happen that way. We draw our line. This is our community. You are not in our community. This is our group. You are not in our group. And it just goes over and over again historically, and now here we are. And so we've been talking about how the church is no different. Right? Right? Like, that's how I have seen trends in church where my faith group is the only one that thinks this way and anyone who does not think this way is no longer a part of that and so actually we're being exactly like the world Um, but what sparked me to turn on the phone while we were talking um, in the car was I'm parenting the first really the guinea pig generation of social media right where kids know Marley, what were you saying? How kids can see now? Exactly. Yeah, well, right. Because, like, when I was in high school, then, um, you know, you'd have to wait till you got to school to see what the trends were for your clothes or, like, how to say something or how to speak. But now it's, like, immediate YouTube stars are telling you exactly what to wear, what the next thing is. Even if they're not saying it outright, like, you know, they're still learning it from, from these kids. But now they have just this instant connection of like I need this right now to be cool and to be accepted and to be in and if I don't do these things then I'm not perceived as cool or in or I don't have it and like us when we were in school we had to wait to go to school to see what was trending like you were saying like your poor parents (laughs) I mean I was like uber sheltered so I I didn't have access to MTV I couldn't like really talk to many of my secular friends outside of high school which high school was short-lived I was there one year my freshman year but when I would show up at school I would like take note real fast of oh those shoes are in right now or that hairstyle the friend's hairstyle it took me forever to pick up what everyone was trying to they're like I want the Jennifer Aniston haircut or the Courtney Cox and I was like what are these things because I didn't know but I, I had to wait to show up to school to see what was now the cool thing and we're seeing now a generation of kids that they don't have to wait for anything. Right. Well, but, like, then it falls now into the trend of, of worship and the culture that church carries and what what's cool and trendy. And um, that's when we started talking about just um, how, you know, not to name names I'm going to, Bethel is such, an, such a um, 
oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? They are a influence. Yeah. On churches, and, and it's not a bad thing at all, by no means. Like, I think it's, I think it's wonderful that they are used um, to be a outline for churches to use. But then, on the same hand, what does that do for somebody whose experience of their connection with the divine? What does that do with that? Like, does it, does it mess it up? Because I, I really genuinely believe some people you and I watched at our current church. Um, we watched a young woman months ago who was up there and she was trying to kind of mimic Bethel and reminded us of Jen Johnson and it was just yes was her like of, it was the way she was swaying yeah. it was the way she was like yeah. shaking her head yeah. like all of it, it I was, was like it what is she doing here we are in this like little Methodist church who's trying to do their own little contemporary thing <laughs> and they're still trying to find their identity and this girl who I genuinely believe that she wanted a connection with totally with God and she wanted people to have connection but she was trying to mimic something that really didn't fit where she was at nor did it fit her voice but she saw that it was quote-unquote working for Bethel so why not try it here well and that's just that is what clicked with me when you said that was yeah this thing where it's, we're still doing the same thing inside it's the, the same thing right so just like you'd watch a YouTube video right. on how to do your eye makeup you're watching you're watching Bethel YouTube worship videos of Bethel worship but you are not their messages and I don't think you're watching it with the intent no, to copy by no means but you are inspired right and so all of a sudden you're like well I want to have a deep encounter right. with God like that and so before you know it right you're feeling the same feeling you have when you show up at a mom's group or show up at like any sort of social outing and you feel like you want to fit in yeah. it's the same thing when people show up to quote-unquote worship they want to fit in right. and so your brain our brains are trained right. in America to go to well, what is trending right yeah well okay so like we were having conversations last night you know with some of our friends about um about this very message of you know don't be of this don't be of this world but be in it whatever right. the actual verses no but, I think you said it right but um okay when we think about things we also have to take it to the level of like okay in the culture of that time one of the biggest things was that God was trying to show himself as different than the rest of the gods and Part of the culture that would happen back then was gods were seen as like you needed to sacrifice enough things to make them happy and then once you got them happy and things were good you needed to sacrifice enough to give enough thanks for that thing and i i wonder and believe that jesus was saying okay look the message is constantly that these other gods want something from you and they want you to sacrifice constantly and they want you to know that they can just take your life away at any given moment and yeah. all this stuff. And the divine, the God of the universe was saying, I don't do that. That I'm actually completely different than that and I'm trying to show you that. So I think he's even trying to say the only way to be transformational in this world and not be the same as the world is to say you are enough as you are and you don't yeah. have to change yeah and what you were hitting on there in case I don't know some of the listeners may not know the cultural context of religion back in biblical times but all of the religions at that time they weren't all Christianity or the God of Abraham if you will like they were of all different sorts of faith beliefs and all of them had a common thread of the gods are separate from us and they get angry and we have to keep them happy continually by 
they, child sacrifice was normal. I mean, all yeah. kinds of sacrificial acts were normal to keep the gods happy. So the idea of the God of Abraham, the God that Jesus came to give us a picture of, showing us a picture of a God, like you said, right. that does not require you to work hard to be enough, which that in and of itself that idea of you not having to work hard to fit in, you not having to work hard to be the latest trend in worship or the latest trend in makeup or the latest trend in however you're parenting or whatever it is, you're enough. You're going to be in the world, but not of the consumption of the world that is constantly saying, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. Yeah. But that's the message that we're told constantly. The message that we're told is that, you know, if we fast enough or if we get... Um, enough healing or if we get enough um, exorcisms done on ourselves, you know, <laughs> somebody sits there and prays to get the spirit of you lust out enough, of us. You fast enough, you pray yeah. enough, you go to conferences enough. Right. You'll, yeah. you'll be whole and you'll be, you'll be happy and you'll be healed and you'll be all these things that really um, are the same message that the world tells us and it's crazy because if you think about it, it's like those aren't bad things to tell somebody. Right. But it also feeds an ego inside of you saying that you have to, you like, you can do enough to make yourself completely whole. Yeah. Well, it's, you can do enough to please God enough to, to make, make you, you whole. whole. Right. And it has nothing right. to do with grace. And grace yeah. says, just be you. So do you think then, because, okay... The arguer inside of me says, "Right. well, but they say grace allows you to come to the cross. Grace allows you to come to Jesus. Right. So have we misinterpreted grace? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I heard, I think it was Pete Rollins yesterday on a podcast, which I love um, listening to. Just a small plug. The plug, plug. Inglorious Pastors. <laughs> she loves them. Amazing. She talks about them constantly. kind of obsessed. They interview Pete Rollins, who's what they call a pyro, pyro theologist or something like that. Probably like totally. pyro is in fireworks. Yeah, because in fire. Yeah, so he's like setting fire to a bunch of theology, and he talks about how grace should be the technology. And I, I'm probably screwing all of this up, but it, maybe it'll make sense. <laughs> but but that um, grace is the technology with which like um, we live our lives on because it's like we're not trying to be enough; we're just being. And I think. When you can just be and you're not constantly trying to be the next worship leader or be the next best Christian or be the next best thing, I think and I wonder if grace is the thing that allows us to just be who we are as we are and we become transformational. Our lives can be, um, our lives can actually be, can be an influence to make this world a better place, to be right. living in such a way. It's an, okay. One of my things that I'm realizing, you know, I was I was taught I spent only 12 years within the evangelical world, and but I grew up Catholic, um, and I actually love the Catholic. Faith. I love that part of your it's story. It's beautiful. I don't know why I became an evangelical. It is what it is. I don't have anything. Every part of the journey matters. It's all, yeah, it, yeah. It, it has a story in its place, but um, I spent 12 years in it, and the constant thing was like, this is what you do to make sure that you are near to God and that you have your place in heaven. In your evangelical world, do but you I'm, Right, but yeah. I was never taught to make sure that my place here, right now, in this very moment, was transformational so that the lives of the people around me could be better. Now, I'm not perfect at this by no means. I'm still learning. It's 
still very difficult, but to ever believe that you're to reject people solely based on their religious beliefs or you're to reject people based on their lives that they are living, their lives that they're living, or um, reject them based on any sort of judgment is anti-Jesus. Like, it just is. Well, and you know what? It's anti. It's anti the idea of not being of this world. Yeah. Because that is exactly how the world right. thinks the world and has does. always done. We went through it in high school. Oh, my gosh. Like, yes. You know, it's like... What, wait, how are we any different than the world? So that that's where I'm tying this all in. And well, the only thing that becomes... Di- when you yeah. look at it through this angle alone, just this angle of the idea of trying to keep up, right. trying to make everything happy enough to keep the crowd that you're trying to be involved in impressed. Right. Um, and impressed people, that's a turn off word, but I mean, keep <laughs> them satisfied with where you are, yeah. whether it be what you're wearing, what you're, you know, all those things. In the church world, it's the same thing. It's just, and I've written about this a lot in my blog. It's this idea of the exact same pattern, but it's it's coded with this God piece that somehow makes it excusable behavior. So like... Well, because it's covered in quote-unquote biblical understanding. Well, and it's covered in trying to please God, which as you referenced earlier, is completely a paganistic idea of keeping the gods happy so that we are, you know, sheltered from their anger. Um, Whereas Jesus has this radical idea of grace where you're enough and you don't have to do anything. I'm showing up for you to be with you just because you're mine. That's it. And so when you translate this back to church groups, and I know everybody has their own unique experience here, but, um, I, I watched this to where it was a subtle shift that would happen with new people, newcomers into the group where those who prayed the most, those who fasted, those who led Bible studies, those who, um, would volunteer at church or lead specific things, they, they were kind of setting the trends and, and the rest followed those trends. And if you weren't, you weren't pleasing God enough, but it's like, you take that into high school. It's the same behavior. You're just not pleasing the cool kids enough. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, gosh, where do, where do I even go with that? I don't know. Just tell me I'm not crazy for thinking this. No, 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 no. No, because like I, you know, especially as a, as a former worship leader, there were so many times, and I'm, of course, if anybody else listening to this who knows me, I am still leading worship now, but I took a year off. But, um. And we're glad you're back. The but world has missed you. I never felt good enough. I never felt like I was holy enough or clean enough or whatever. You know, and the story that be told me was like, Lamar, it's not about it's not about how you feel. This is about God. And that's a beautiful like mantra to have, but it's not the story of grace that Jesus if you're actually reading the Bible with eyes wide open and you're reading the Gospels, the good news is that you are enough. And that Jesus was actually the full picture of God himself, that we didn't have a wrathful God. Because if we had a wrathful God, (laughs) if we had a wrathful God, he would be the same as every other God that's been out there. And the difference with him is that he wasn't angry. Or that he was, yeah, the difference with him was that he wasn't angry. He wasn't mean. 
he wasn't like vengeful like this is what humanity believed about him right and we still do and so thinking about that I and I've said this before in fact you mentioned earlier we were talking with some friends of ours last night just bouncing ideas back and forth about this very thing and I and I said I constantly felt on the outside of most faith groups because I yeah. something in me would would spark right. when I would see people doing this kind of behavior where right. someone was pushed out or someone was gossiped about of course it was they were being prayed for but everyone knows that it was not prayer their story was being told like rapid fire everywhere <laughs> um you know when i would see behavior like that happen or shame based oh, confrontations gosh, yes. um when i would see those things simply over people disagreeing about you know seemingly small things but in that world they seem to be very large things um something in me would would go this doesn't feel like the God I know. Because when I'm with God, when I have my own encounters with God, right. and I'm not trying to, like you said earlier, I'm not trying to copy and mimic someone else's encounter, like, right. you know, worship the way Bethel's worshiping, or, you know, have this intense moment like I think my pastor has, or whatever, but have my own moment, my own encounter with God, I always, always felt enough in that moment. Yeah. I never felt shamed. I have never felt like there's something wrong with me. Right. I've never felt like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I need to get fixed. I need to get better. I, I'm not enough. Right. I, it's the complete opposite of that. Right. So when I see behavior in faith groups that right. doesn't mirror that, right. something in me feels really uneasy and, and, and has continually. And so, like, okay, here's a question. If... Because I'm assuming your encounters with God have felt similar to mine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Like, I just was having this thought. Um, when I would be in, in a corporate worship setting, um, I, I can recall the moments of just bawling my eyes out because I never felt like God would want me there. And oh, again, my gosh. That makes my heart right. sad. But, but okay. Oh. Again, people are going to have the argument. Your feelings lie. Da, da, da. Okay, feelings lie, but feelings are human. And God made us human. So <laughs> shut up about that, please. <laughs> like, seriously. My feelings are okay. Well said. So, anyway. Um, but when I would sit in my room with my guitar and I would just sing to him, I didn't have to be anybody, anybody but me. Like, right. even as a worship leader, I actually could find myself being one of two ways I would either feel not enough getting ready to lead an entire set for 500 women or you know a thousand people that weekend whatever it was and I could either be feeling like I'm not enough for these people or I could just center myself and find myself being able to be like okay I'm just gonna worship God but the majority of the time it really was for me in the moments of leading corporate worship I felt often like I w was not enough and I still struggle with that like that's still a big big thing and I'm, I'm working on that because when I when the story that's always been thrown at me for the last 12 years was that I either didn't have enough faith or that I didn't fast enough or that how I was made was wrong biblically and all of this stuff that I'm learning that like God really likes me and yeah. he really uh, did a good job. And he really likes a bunch of other people too. <laughs> and to believe that 
we need this vengeful, wrathful God is really sad because, like, you know, of course, people will always make arguments of, like, well, if somebody hurts so-and-so, like, your child, wouldn't you want somebody to take care of it? Well, I'd be mad, but I'd still, you're still not getting the full picture of Jesus. Did Jesus ever actually kill somebody? Like, I just want us to think about that. Jesus is supposed to be the the visible image of the invisible God. Did you ever see him lash out? He allowed people to crucify him. He He didn't lash out. Like, he allowed it. He he gave himself over. Not for our sin's sake to cover our sin, but to show you that he still loved us. Even in our most ugly, ugly moment. Even at his expense. That we're still enough, even when we're still terrible. Well, and, you know, when when I think about that, the stories of Jesus, you see someone continually turning the other cheek, even teaching that way. You see him telling people to put their swords away. You see him defending the person caught in the act. You see him protecting the criminal. You see him jumping out and saying, yeah, I know what the law says, but it is better for humanity to do this instead. And I'm referencing when he did work, quote unquote, on the Sabbath. You know, it was against the law and against specifically the religious rules in the Bible. Well, it wasn't called the Bible then. We know it as the Bible now. But um, he was going against those for the benefit of those around him. He was seeing the greater good as human souls more than black and white rules. And I cherish that about him. I do. And that's what I feel. I feel that defender when I feel hurt. I feel him defending me. When I feel sad, I feel that comforter. When I feel like, oh my God, I totally screwed everything up. (laughs) I feel him going, it's okay. I still have your back. I'm still here. We're going to get through this. And he takes my hand and we walk. You know, that's the part about Jesus that we preach but yet our lives don't mirror that behavior. Yeah. And so so here's the question. So what would our churches look like if we mirrored what we experience on our own with Jesus? Mm. What do you think? Like what would that look like? Oh man, we would be a lot less angry with people. <laughs> yeah. We would be a lot less quick. Ooh. We'd be a lot less <clears throat> quicker to um, constantly have to defend our stances and our beliefs. I think we're all we all have the right and entitlement. And I hate that word, but it's what I'm going to use to our own opinions. Um, but and experiences I, we yeah, all have different yeah, experiences totally. we bring. We're all yeah. in different stages of life, but. Um, But the beauty of Jesus is that every time someone wants to tell you you're not enough, you can turn the other cheek. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Mar, that's so good. So every time someone tells you that you are having anxiety because you don't have enough faith, you can say, okay, that's what you believe, but... I'm enough. I'm enough. And my anxiety, Jesus is sitting with me in it. Oh, that makes me want to (laughs) cry. Don't cry. I won't cry. That's so good. Yeah. He, co- he constantly was on the progressive side of things. And we just think that he just was... Like, I think we kind of turned Jesus into this whimsical idea. 
cheek telling and saying like as you're being brutal and as you're judging me for for all these things I'm still gonna love you and turn my cheek and that is the most progressive radical love there is and when I think of the way I want to love and leave my mark on my children right. and leave my mark on my community and leave my mark in my writing and my mark when I walk into a grocery store. Okay. I reference it, tying this all back in, I I want to be in it, right. but not of the culture that says, I'm sizing you up to decide if you're good enough right. to be in or not. If you're holy enough. In church terms, yes, yeah. holy enough. In the world's terms, it's just a different word. Cool right. enough, trendy cool enough, enough yeah. whatever. Yeah. But in church terms, it's holy enough. In yeah. church terms, it's spiritual enough. In church terms, it's um, faithful enough, you know. But, okay, let's not be of the world anymore. Right. Let's just be in it. Preach it. And be this crazy, crazy light. Right. That says, guess what? Right. They all say you're not enough, but I say you are. Right. Like, on, gosh, if we could love people like that. That's what he did. That's why they loved him. Yeah. That's what he did. He said, yeah, yeah, you're sleeping with 20 million people. Right. Slightly exaggerating. But you're enough for me. Right. Come eat at my table. Right. Yeah, you've had, you know, runnings with the law, or you've been stealing, or you've been um, prostituting. You know, right. it's okay right. in the sense that I'm not going to say you're not enough. You're enough to hang with me. I'll take you just as you are. Come be with me. And, you know, I hear the argument in my head of people that would say, well, he did that because he was going to save them from themselves and change them. (laughs) And my response to that has always, that that darn word, Marley. Always. Always. I need to stop saying it. My response to that is more often than not (laughs) would say, well, yeah, they're probably going to change some things because they're finally feeling love for the first yes, time. Yes, exactly. You change know? doesn't like, stick around for real and authentically people. when you're changing for people because you don't ever feel good enough. You're never enough for people. But when you realize you're enough, watch your life completely transform. Oh, watch totally. your finances change. Watch your relationships change. Watch your dependency on like food or drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever. Watch it change when you realize you're enough. It's, it's, it is the cure. It's the cure. <laughs> well, I don't want to say that because then that kind of makes us typical. Like, why does that somebody make saying sense? like, it's like saying Jesus is enough. Like, uh, let's not say that. What I'm saying is, is just watch your life transform when you realize you're enough. I don't want to say it's the cure because if somebody That's can't fair. believe that they're enough and it takes them a really long time and they really struggle to transform, then that puts us in the same chair as everybody else's. Well, Christianity didn't work for me. Well, of course it didn't. Like, it, it that wasn't going to change you. You have to you have to learn to believe in yourself that you are enough. And that's probably going to take therapy. Let's be real, people. <laughs> it's, oh, it might take my gosh. some therapy and some medication. But if needed. If, oh, yeah, my gosh. If needed. If needed. But yes. If you're going to get there, you're going to get there. Because all of us carry stories of pain. All of us. And so we are yeah. constantly looking. Yeah. For that pain to be valued and that pain to be validated in the world. You know, if you have a fear of rejection, you're looking for rejection in every relationship you have. If you have a fear of not being pretty enough, you're looking in every mirror to find the flaw to tell you you're not pretty enough. If you have a fear of screwing up your kids, you're going (laughs) to look at every interaction you have with them and pick apart all the things you did wrong. So... 
this whole idea of allowing your mind to be changed to where it can see yourself as enough. Right. It's going to combat that pain message. It's going to combat that wound that you've had in a remarkable way. But like you said, that's a journey that not many of us can go through alone. Well, that was kind of heavy. A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) Oh, Marley, thank you. Of course. Okay, signing off now. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. I would love to connect with you further. You can find me and links to my Facebook and Instagram accounts on my website, justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next time for more honest, real, and sometimes raw conversation. See you then. Peace.